Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the point? What's the point? That's the question of the last few weeks and the next few weeks. On through the end of July, what's the point? It's a study through the book of Ecclesiastes. And how many of you have been enjoying it, the book of Ecclesiastes? Come on, a few of you. The rest of you, you're like, I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't watched in quite a while. Not really sure where we're at in this series. Um, I would, I would encourage, you can go ahead and bring me down a little bit, right? I'm, I'm pretty loud. Bring me down a little bit, because if not, I start talking like this, and then it's boring to listen to. But um, we've, been, uh, we've been moving through this book, and, and honestly, Ecclesiastes is one of those books that a lot of people like to skip over. Um, more times than not, it's because it's sort of a depressing book. It's sort of one of those books that you read, and the longer that you read it, the more that you're like, this guy is having some issues, right? He's a little upset with life. And, um, but honestly, when I read the book of Ecclesiastes, I really enjoy it because I like, I like his perspective in the book, but also I think it just gets down where it's at. Like I, I feel like he just talks straightforward about where we're at in life and, uh, and the things that matter and the things that don't. And so, so in this time, we're walking through the book of Ecclesiastes. What's the point of life? What's the point of all the things that we're doing? And it's kind of funny if you look at all the emojis, you can kind of start picking out which ones like, okay, is it, what's the point? Is, is it vacation? Is it working out? Is it, you know, is it drinking? Some people, that might be the thing. I don't know. If, is, it, is it just love? Is it, what is it? Is it gifts? Is it, what is the point of life? And, and at times, our focus gets set on these types of things. But come on, y'all. It's got to be something more than that, right? <laughs> like, if this is all that there is, oh, man, it is meaningless. The word meaningless in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, is really talking about it's a vapor, it's a vapor. It's hard to kind of wrap your hands around. It's hard to, to really understand. And so it doesn't necessarily mean like just literally what's the point. It's like it's meaningless. But I think it's more about finding out what is the meaning. Like what is the purpose? Because if it's not for something that really matters, then it's a vapor. This life does matter as long as we have it prioritized uh, correctly. And so We've talked about quite a few things, quite a few topics, and so I'm not going to rehash all of those, but today we are going to talk about wisdom. Today is about wisdom in a meaningless world. Come on, don't you love that title? Nope. All right, guys. Hey, listen. All right. There's only like a couple hundred of us in here. All right. All right. So I'm going to need y'all to like make up for those who are at home right now. I need like some, some laughter. Some. There we go. You know, what's funny is um, I kind of think about it this way. When we have masks on, which some of you do, some of you don't, if you don't feel comfortable sitting next to somebody that doesn't have a mask on, just say, hey, put your mask back on. It's up to you. But uh, it's like once we put a mask on, it's sort of like, you know, dogs, whenever you put like a sweater on them and they just like, <laughs> and they just roll over. <laughs> they don't know how to act with a sweater on. You know, it's the same thing with us in masks. We're like, do I smile? Do I stop smiling? Do I talk? I can't laugh. What's the point? No, it's okay. You can still laugh and, and nod. You can nod. You can do that too. There's a lot of things we can still do. But anyway, wisdom in a meaningless world. How do we have meaning, uh, wisdom in a meaningless world? Now, this is how I want to define godly wisdom today. Godly wisdom can be defined as living according to God's design. All right, wisdom is living according to God's design. And that's going to mean a lot as we walk through the, uh, the topic today and, and, and the, the, the angle, the perspective that we're going to have. But the first thing that we need to understand is that God has a design for everything. 
God has a design for everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, all, He created everything. He created the the way that we operate. He created the world, the way that the the, the you know the nature operates. He created us as human beings and the way that we operate. So He has a design for literally every part of our life, our our relationships. Okay, He's got a design. For our families, he has a design. For, for politics, for the way that we kind of work together, and, and he has a design, okay? There's certain things. For our, our sexuality, he has a design. And it's so important that we start with that point, because if not, there is no standard. There is no point of reference, okay? And so God has a design for everything, and uh, we need wisdom to be operating in every area of our life according to that design, Now, in chapter 7, verse 12, uh, he says this. He says, wisdom is a shelter. Wisdom preserves those who have it. So wisdom is not a good idea. It's literally something that protects us, all right? It's it's something that that preserves our life. It preserves the way that we live our lives. And so it's something that's very important. The writer of this book is uh, King Solomon, uh, like 99% sure it's King Solomon, but it, but it sounds like it is King Solomon. And he writes this book, by the way, from the perspective of a, uh, of a teacher or a preacher teaching a group of people. And uh, also from the perspective of an older person who's kind of lived life and has experience and, and sharing that experience with others. And so in, in the book of Second uh, Kings chapter 3, Solomon, he's a king. He, he asked God for one thing. And now I want you to put yourself in his shoes. If you had, you know, genie in the bottle moment where you could ask for one thing, what would you ask for? And most people, of course, at that point, it's, it's you want fame, you want fortune, you want something like that because that, you know, seems like convenience, something like that. Solomon actually asks for, uh, for wisdom. He asks for the ability to discern between good and evil. And I think that's so interesting because I was thinking about Adam and Eve whenever they're in the garden, and what did the enemy, what did the devil, the serpent, tempt them with? The knowledge of good and evil. And they wanted the knowledge of good and evil in order to be like God. That's what the kind of, that's the deception of it, that they, they wanted to know more so they could be like God. And I think it's interesting that Solomon in this moment says, I want the ability to discern between good and evil. Sort of the same thing. But this is how I see it. I see that Solomon had the worldly wisdom. He had the wisdom that Adam and Eve got from the the tree. But he's like, no, no, I need the wisdom that God offers, right? And for us as Christians, I think that's where we're at. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. We need to know how God would approach situations. We need to know how he thinks about our, our world and our life in order for us to then live it out properly, so another very important thing that we need to establish here is that sin distorts God's design. So God creates something perfect. And if you've been here any amount of time, you've heard us mention sin, I think every single week at some point, how sin has broken everything. Um, it's kind of important and we need to remember that. So God creates everything perfect. Sin distorts and destroys those things. And, and here we are with kind of this broken, uh, dysfunctional design. And that sin leads to brokenness and meaninglessness. Everything we know was designed to work a certain way, and sin has broken the ability for those things to to operate properly. And so when we live outside of God's design, we are living a broken life. 
And I don't mean broken like humble, (laughs) a humble life. I mean broken, dysfunctional. If we don't operate in our relationships according to how God has designed those relationships to operate, they break down over time. It's just the way that it is. And so with all that kind of here in our mind and sort of setting up what we're going to be talking about today, there's two areas where God wants you to live according to his design, your actions and your thoughts, your actions and your thoughts. Think about it. How you live is really how you think and how you act. It's those two things combined. And so the first thing is that God has, has a design for the way that we act, the way that we conduct our lives. And there is a wise way to act and there's an an unwise way to act. And so in chapter seven through 11, Solomon helps us to see kind of what it looks like to live a life of wisdom in our actions. And we just want to highlight a few, okay? Ecclesiastes seven, verse nine says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry. There is no wisdom in anger. I cannot name you One time in my life where I got enraged about something and I reacted where five minutes later, a day later, I didn't regret it. I might have even said the right thing. I'm not even talking about what I said. It might have been the right thing, but I regret it how I said it because there was anger in my heart. That was the motivation. Either I was trying to, to you know, react to that person or react to that situation, and you end up like, Ugh. and most of the time, you don't say it exactly right. Nowadays, you can't say anything right. Okay, let's just be real. However, it doesn't negate the fact that anger tends to produce an unwise reaction. Now, tensions are high in, in our nation. Everything's very, very tight right now, and we're divided along political lines. We're divided a- a- along you know, ideological persuasions. And there's topics and phrases that are producing reactions every day in our nation, every day. And so I thought that I would bring a few of them today for us. <laughs> to which you're like, I came here so we wouldn't like. <clears throat> Here's the deal. If we can't talk about what's going on in the church, where can we talk about it? Where, 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 where can we? Because this should be a safe place for us to kind of discuss some things. Now, this isn't really like a conversation, but, but I think I want to bring up some, some thoughts. I'm not going to choose a side. It's not the point. I want to bring up what we feel about these things. Let's bring them up right here, right now. Let's, let's throw out some, some, some phrases. Y'all ready? Come on. Social distancing. You feel that? It's like, well, yeah, well, we're not family. Are we sitting far enough apart? And I don't really know. And they got a mask on, but they don't. And I mean, I mean guys, the, 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 uh, the tension around whether to wear a mask or not, you know? I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to say. It's like, you know, you read one doctor's report. It says one thing. You read somebody else's. You get mocked if you do. You get mocked if you don't. I mean, it's just social distancing, Right? How about this one? I didn't know about this till about uh, three weeks ago. I'm going to be real with you. Autonomous zone. That's a thing. Autonomous zone. I thought at first somebody was trying to say auto zone. I, let's be real. I was like, auto, you hear about autonomous zone? I'm like, auto zone? No, no, autonomous zone. <laughs> what is Chaz? What are you talking about? You know, which I think it's chop now. Anyway. 
I'm not choosing sides. I'm just saying there's some things going on. Autonomous zone. It's, it's a thing now. It's a thing. How about racial injustice? I think a lot of people agree that there's, some, there's, there's injustice that has happened a lot, right? But, but when I say that, you start feeling like, oh, well, what side is that? What, what, how are you saying that? What are you trying to say when you say that, right? Like, like what, do you, what do you mean? How about, how about this one? I, I, I really, I'm enjoying this one right now. Here, here we go. We're in the state of Mississippi. Confederate flag. Come on. I'm always astonished whenever I feel like somebody would fight more for a flag than they would the word of God. I'm just, I'm like always astonished about that. First off, um, I'm like, man, uh, but I, I think there's some good things happening around that right now in our state. How about make America great again? You know, these phrases, what do they mean? For some people it's yes. For some people it's like, what do you mean again? Right? Come on. It's okay, guys. We're not getting in an argument right now. We're just talking through what's going on. All right? I think right now there's a lot of tension around phrases like black lives matter and all lives matter, right? These, these phrases, you can feel it right now, can't you? You're like, hey, bro, just keep moving. Just keep moving. Don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't just have a... I'm just saying the phrases that are creating a whole lot of tension right now. And it's not the phrase, it's the thought process, it's the heart, it's the pain, it's all of these things behind those phrases. These are just words I'm saying. They're in the dictionary, right? It's what do you mean whenever you say that? And where are you headed with what you're saying? Gun control. White privilege, reparations, all of these things, they're they're flying out there. And you know, how you were raised is how you see a lot of the things that I just said. It's, you know what I'm saying? How you were raised, what books you've read, what news you listen to, what, what articles you read, all of those things, what profession you have, it shapes how you see all of these phrases. And before you know it, here we are as the church, And there's a lot of anger. Now, listen, we could sit here for days. I could sit here for days and we could talk through all of these types of things and keep going on and on and on. And 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 I have a lot of opinions. I do. I have a lot of opinions. I don't share them very much. I have a lot of opinions. The problem is a lot of opinions as they're shared, it actually just turns into anger. And anger is a result when is something that you, you you whenever you lack wisdom. Right now, I'm not talking that like we shouldn't have passion in our lives. We shouldn't have, you know what I'm saying? We have to believe certain things, but y'all know the difference between having a conversation about something and getting angry to where you're trying to tear somebody down. Cause you're just, we're Christians. We live a little bit differently. It's not wise to get angry. Now, is there a holy anger? Is there a holy indignation? Yes. But I think at times Christians use that a little bit too liberally. Okay. No, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm angry like Jesus was in the temple. I mean, he did it one time, and it was about religious things, and it was about people that were, you know, literally, anyway. Let's not overuse those things and actually justify anger. Because like he says here, anger lodges in the heart of fools. It doesn't just stop with that moment. 
Anger has a way of taking root and growing bitterness, hatred. All these things begin to stem from that. James 1.20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can we agree? I don't care where you're coming from on all the things that I even said, said a second ago, right? But here's the deal. Can we all agree that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God? I think we should all be able to agree with that. Remember that this week as you're feeling those emotions and feeling that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that is our aim, to be like him. He goes on, chapter 8, we're going to kind of skip around a little bit. Chapter 8, verse 2 through 4, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Now we start talking about what to do with with leaders and kings and, and governments and how to respond. And, and really, this is kind of falls all under the, the category of authority and how we're supposed to interact with authority. And, and, and this, this S word, submit or subject ourselves to authority. And there's a lot of tension in that because isn't there times whenever authority misuses their, their power? Absolutely. Just look through history. Look, I mean, even now in our world, it's all over the place. People misuse the authority that they're, they're given. And I, th- I think this is another tension in, in life right now is, you know, with, with, with parents, kids have this rebellious tendency to want to kind of buck their parents, but at times our parents are wrong. Yeah. But they're still due honor and respect at the same time. Pastors, that's another prominent part of leadership in our nation is pastors of churches and you know, do, do, do some pastors mess things up and, and misuse their authority and manipulate? Yep, absolutely. Just Google something about pastors and money and you'll have a plethora of things. It's out there, absolutely. The government. Are there many, many illustrations that we could walk through, stories that we could talk through about, about government officials and people and corruption and whatnot? Absolutely. It's all around us. We see it. That's what makes it difficult whenever we read verses like, or cha- uh, verses like Romans 13.1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist may have, in- have been instituted by God. Now, I just want to bring up something that I find funny, okay? Now, this, again, guys, we're just having fun, right? That's what you say whenever you're about to say something that can kind of tick people off, but you're just, right? Is, I, think, I, I think it's always funny to watch how whenever we elect certain presidents and how people respond to it. So like, for instance, for instance, for, uh, for, for, for some people that would fall into the, the, the really you know, conservative category, um, like Trump is God's man and Obama was not, like obviously, right? But, but, so, so, but, but then just a few years ago, like, like you, you, had, you had some Christians who were like saying, saying the opposite. You know, they're, they're, like, they're like, so you got some people that, that, that champion Trump and they, they, they don't champion Obama, but yet they'll use this verse for now, but not then. You know what I'm saying? Like what, what changed? Like either Romans 13.1 is Romans 13.1 or, or it's not. Like, and what happens is depending on what's going on, we like to kind of pick and choose and stuff. Honestly, guys, um, you know, th- there's always policies that I agree and disagree with. However, one thing that I, I don't do is I'm not going to, you know, rip 
what Romans 13, one says. You see, guys, we live differently. We live life differently. Can you still disagree? Absolutely. But you could disagree and not dishonor. 100%. And I think that's what we miss. We don't react like the world does. We don't react. Again, notice, I'm not talking about the policies. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about us, our heart, and how we represent God, how we represent the church. We've got to be wise. Because another president's coming. I don't know when. Might be this year. Might be in four more years. It doesn't matter. It's the same principle that applies every time. Jesus had to encounter that. People came to him and they said, you know, uh, they're talking about taxes and stuff. And Jesus was kind of like, hey, who's on this coin right here? Pay, what, pay what's due to him. Right? We don't like to talk about this because it kind, of, it kind of neutralizes some of the conversations. But I think we need some of our conversations neutralized. I think it would, be, I think it would help us as, as Christians. Obviously, I can go on and on about these things, but we're just skipping rocks over them today. Ecclesiastes 10, 10, uh, 12 through 13, the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a, f- a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. Let's have tact. Amen? Let's have tact. There's another verse that says, in the abundance of words, sin is likely. <laughs> talk, 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 talk. Just, just tilling up the soil for more sin to come, right? You know what I'm saying? Talk, talk, talk. The end of his talk is evil madness. How we act matters, and there is a design for how we should act. Now, here's the, the, kind of the bigger deal. This is where I kind of want to camp out for a second, is, is how we act is, is really determined by how we think. God has a design for the way that we think, is a way, okay. Now, this to me is actually the more important part of the message. What I just said, you could take it or leave it. You could delete all the notes that you just took if you didn't like it. Fine with me. Because honestly, what I really want you to get is this right here. God has a design for the way that we think because how we think is how we will act. And this is where the battle's at, y'all. This is where the battle is at. There is a fight for how we, the church, thinks about what's going on in the world. What's creating the problems and what the solutions are. The thinking pattern for all that. The worldview that we have, there is a fight. That's why Romans 12, 2 is important. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is loaded. There is a pattern that the world has, worldly wisdom. There's a pattern of thinking. And this verse says, don't conform to that, but be transformed into this type of thinking, godly thinking, godly wisdom, that you can actually then discern what God's will is. So here's the deal. If you're operating according to the way that the world thinks, you don't have the ability to actually discern what evil is and what good is. Not biblically. And that's what makes us susceptible to receive every wind of doctrine. 
every wind of doctrine. If it sounds good, we end up just taking it hook, line, and sinker without testing it, without saying, wait, where does that lead? What's the thought pattern there? What does that pattern lead to? I've heard a whole lot of things that sound really good up front that have elements of truth to it. But the longer you play it out and you apply it to other things, it's like, wait, hold on. There's a gear that's missing. There's a lacking component to it. And we've got to be aware of what those components are. There's a famous quote, many of you, I saw it this past week on, uh, on Instagram, but it's this, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Y'all, we've got so much information. Come on, y'all. But we, we lack wisdom. This is something that I've said quite often is we live in this time, this era of contextualization. Yes, information age, but, but whoever contextualizes that information the best for the way that we think, they, they, they rise to prominence. And now they are thought leaders, right? And they continue to shape our culture. Media and entertainment is shaping our culture in the way that we think. I was watching something last night, right? And, and, and they got all these artists and they're doing a bunch of things. And, it's, and, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see that. I agree with that. But whoa, what, a, what about that? See, this is what happens. You know how bills work in, in Congress and stuff, right? So it's like, there's a bill. And we're gonna, we want to do one, two, three. And, and somebody says, one, two, three. And then you got like, you know, 200 people that's like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. But, but I'd like to add four. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll add that to that as well. And, and well, I want five, six, seven, and eight. And uh, before you know it, what was just this, this bill, it's now got all this fat attached to it, right? Everybody's special interests attached to it. And so whenever it passes, you know what we see? Just the tip of the iceberg. Because let's be honest, most of us don't read all of it. But there's all this other stuff attached. It's the same exact thing in our culture. There's, there's, this, there's this tip of the spear, and we all, yes, that's right. But what about all the pork? What about all the things that are get attached on? What about where does that belief system lead? And this is the fight. This is the thing that we're in. And it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. It's really, really difficult. That's why we need wisdom to discern. The world doesn't see life God's way and continually attempts to debunk God's way by their own philosophy. Colossians 2.8. By the way, stay with me. Don't turn me off, okay? Like, like just let, let, me, let me get through this, all right? I feel like, what are you trying to say right now? Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Oh, man. I think we could probably talk about this verse for a couple of months and still not reach the bottom of it. This phone has two sides to it. And you're looking at this side, and I'm obviously looking at this side. And I could be describing everything on this side and be describing the phone. 
but, but you won't see it that way, right? It's a, it's a point of view. It's a perspective. Now, many times we, we, we use this illustration in one way, but I want to use it in a little bit different one right now, is, is this might be a legitimate topic. This might be a legitimate need, but my worldview The lens that I'm looking at is causing me to see the same problem from a completely different point of view. And what that point of view will lead to long-term, the way that we believe as Christians will either lead to life or death, spiritual life or spiritual death. There's a way to look at things in 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 a way that God sees it. And there's a way that the enemy uses that same thing. And it can be a good thing. Y'all know we talk about this a lot. In our lives, sometimes we're distracted by things that aren't bad things. They can be really good things, but it's it's actually a distraction that gets us off of the main thing. There's some things that really matter, but if we don't look at them right, it can get us off base. Are there any philosophies, this is a question for you to ask yourself, are there any philosophies influencing me that do not align with the Bible? If I run this, this, this route, if I run this, this thinking, will it lead to humanism or moralism or universalism or whatever other you know, things that are out there? This is so important, and, and, and there's a lot of things that we just don't have time to get into today. But if, if, I, could, if I could really ask all of you to do one thing, it would be to, to really weigh things that you hear. If there's people who are championing something and at the same time, and it might be something you really agree with and, and, and want to see something you know, happen with, but they're also championing other things that are diabolically opposed to the will of God, we've, we've got to be wise as serpents, y'all. Do y'all agree with me? Yeah. Y'all agree? Because there's elemental spiritual forces at work. And I can tell you this, one of the main things that the force wants to do is to divide, to divide. It's obvious. It's been proven over and over and over. Why do you think that, that the Bible talks so much about unity in the body of Christ? Unity with diversity, absolutely. But, but, but unity, there's spiritual forces at work and, and, and it's like every, Everything that happens week in, week out right now in our culture, you can feel it. It's moving in a certain direction. And there's a whole lot of good things that are happening right now. There really is. A lot of chaos. A lot of, there's some really good things that are taking. There's some conversations being had that have needed to happen for a long time. Long time. And it's, it's good. So let's continue. But let's still be wise even in those, those areas. Y- y'all with me? We have to remain wise. We have to stay grounded. 1 Corinthians 1. This is stuff that Paul also dealt with. He says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? The worldly wisdom is foolish. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Worldly wisdom doesn't get godly wisdom. It's a different, it's a whole different language. It's a different worldview, y'all. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Listen to this. Jews demanded signs. They needed signs. 
Prove yourself. Who are you? We want to see miracles and we want to see all the stuff to prove that, that you're here. And, you, and Greeks look for wisdom. A lot of philosophy. They got to think through it. Come on, does that sound like our culture right here today? We got those who need to feel it, need to, you know, and they got those who need to figure it out. But we preach, but there's something different. We preach Christ crucified. And that is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Why? Because to Jews, a crucified Messiah, this is how one commentary puts it, to Jews, a crucified Messiah was a complete impossibility, a stumbling block. The Messiah would not come and die. That doesn't make sense in our religious view of how things are supposed to play out. But for the Gentiles, it was no better They saw it as foolishness, sheer, unmitigated folly, basically the same thing, kind of like, why would he come and die? It doesn't make logical sense here. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense based upon our our religious upbringing that that he's going to come and deliver us and and set forth a kingdom. And we're going to, they were, they were missing the point, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Come on. These verses should reset your thinking, reset your perspective. Even the best day, when I have it figured out up here, is not even even, uh, close to the lowest point of God's strength. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In case you don't know, the enemy, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, the enemy will hijack noble causes and hijack it in order to accomplish his will to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. Y'all, Christianity has been used before to do the same thing. People have taken the word of God and used it as a sledgehammer on people, okay? So, so let's, not, let's not be foolish to think that the enemy can't use something that's noble in, in our society and also a, try to accomplish something else with it. We gotta really think about this. We gotta really look at it. We need wisdom. How do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? Number one, ask God for wisdom through prayer. Ask God for wisdom. How many of you this in the last few weeks have prayed this prayer? God, would you help me to see it? Would you help me to understand? Would you help me? God, give me the words. Lord, if you haven't, you need to begin today. (laughs) Help me to understand. Help me to see. Help me to listen and to learn and to to understand. God, help me. You got to pray for wisdom. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Number two, we get wisdom from the word of God. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. The Bible presents God's truth that has the power to shape the way that we think. 
All of you, every single one of us here watching online, all of us have a perspective. We all have a worldview. We all are being influenced by some sort of philosophy, okay? All of us, whether you know, you know how we say everybody has faith, whether you know it or not, like you have faith. It's just something like it's innate, like you just can't help. You're, you're, you're placing your belief system in something. All of you are being shaped by something. Your worldview, the way that you're seeing things is being shaped by something. The question is, what is shaping it? Or who is shaping it? We as Christians, we believe that the word of God is the primary source that shapes our worldview. We don't, have a ch- we don't have a choice. Now, there's some who are seeking to demean the value of the word of God, the inerrancy or the infallibility of the word of God. They, they want to demean that and introduce their own logic and thinking, like, like not just in some sort of balanced way, but I'm talking like erase it. Erase the, the validity of the word of God. They want to... They want to put in thinking that it's, it's, it's fallible. They want to put in thinking that it's, it's uh, well, those are everything's just one big metaphor. And what that does, is it begins to destabilize what you believe in and how you think. And so then whenever you read the word of God, whenever you read the scriptures that we just read, you're not looking at it for what it's saying. You're looking at it for what it might be saying. Or And before you know it, you don't really need it. So then you begin to look for philosophers in our age, right, to shape your worldview. We got to stay centered on the word of God, meditating, learning, and being taught the word of God. So what's the result of having wisdom? Two things, and we're closing up. Number one is that you will live a gospel-centered life. As you live a wise life, you will live a life, a godly wise life, you will live a life that's gospel-centered, that understands the gospel, that sees Jesus, his, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection in all facets of life. You will see the gospel as the true means by which all of us live uh, in spiritual freedom, that all of us, that's what produces the hope in us. You live a gospel-centric life. The next thing is that you will live a God-honoring life. You will live a life that God is pleased with, Okay? These should be the the, the priorities in our life. God, I want to live a life that doesn't forget what Jesus has done for me. And also, God, I want to live a life that I look back on and and, and I say, man, I lived a God-honoring life. The big point here is that when we live by God's design in this fallen world, things may not work out immediately, but they will work out ultimately. This is our anchor. This is our hope. Look around you. It might not be working out immediately, but we as Christians believe it will work out ultimately. I want to encourage all of you, as we walk through the mire of what is the United States culture right now, it's tough, y'all. I'm there with you. Let's seek to have wisdom. Let's seek godly wisdom. Let's hear what the world is saying. Not that all of it's wrong. It's not what I'm saying. But let's, let's make sure that we're receiving it and then saying, and, and then we're running it through the filter of, okay, what does the word of God say? Because this is what will happen. A filter doesn't stop everything from coming through. 
think you make coffee every day, right? At least I do. A filter doesn't stop the coffee from coming through. No, it, it lets, it, but it keeps the grounds out. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff. It, it, it's not all bad. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we've just got to have that biblical godly filter that filters out the things that will corrupt us. That, that's what I'm saying. And I believe this. As a church with a lot of different people coming from a lot of different positions, if we center ourselves on that, we're going to be okay. Be, be, be all right. We're going to have the conversations that need to happen. They need to happen. We, we're, we're going to progress as a society in a lot of different ways that need to happen. But, but we're also going to maintain love for one another. We're going to maintain unity. And this nation will be better for it. And we have the wonderful opportunity to show what godly wisdom looks like. I'm, I'm encouraged right now. Despite everything that's going on, I'm encouraged. I think about it like this with my family. Just because we uh, maybe have pseudo peace in our house because it's quiet doesn't mean that we have real peace. Sometimes we got to kind of, kind of rip the scab off a little bit and talk about the pain that's going on. Like, that, you, know, you know, honestly, I've been frustrated for, for about six months now with you, you know, and, and you know, that's actually good. If we have the right heart for one another and our goal is unity and, and having a godly relationship, right? Y'all y- y- following me? There's a lot of conversations that need to happen and they're happening. Let's, as the church, have them well. Let's, let's do it right, y'all. That's kind of my plea to you, you know? Let's, let's, we got to hold, hold it together, man. But we need Jesus to do that. He is the center point. For some, you believe in Jesus. He is your hope. He is your anchor. I want to encourage you to continue to lean into him for your hope and your anchor and your joy and your peace. For others, you're missing that whole element. And there's a lot of things that I'm saying, it doesn't connect to anything because you're not centered on Jesus. You, don't, you haven't really surrendered your life to him, but it's very easy. You see, God, through Jesus, has done all the work. He's done all the work for you. He died for your sin, your shame, your brokenness. He died for it because there had to be somebody, there had to be blood that was shed to pay the price for it. He took that on himself. So at a moment like this, you could say yes. You could surrender. And he can change you from the inside out. If today you think that you got to get cleaned up to come to God, that's a complete reversal of the gospel. You come to God with nothing. You got nothing to offer. Even your best day is still not a good day. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why we sing the songs we sing. That's why we we smile through pain. That's why we have hope. Because of Jesus. And so right now, I want to give everybody an opportunity to, to connect with God. So go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes. Right now, in your own words, if you're far from God, just say, Lord, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I realize today that I'm, I'm trying to do this with my own wisdom. I'm trying to do this apart from you. And, and God, right now, I, I just ask for you to forgive me of that. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, the brokenness in my life. I need Jesus. I thank you for the cross that you died for me, for my sin, for my shame. And I receive you into my life today to change me from the inside out. God, for all of us together, Lord, we repent right now of those moments where we have leaned into our own wisdom and not yours, 
where we have, we have operated in anger, where we have responded improperly. God, where we have allowed the philosophy of the world to, to outshine, to outweigh the philosophy of your word. We repent of that. God, for all of us right now, Lord, we are, God, we as, as a nation, we're struggling, Lord. We're, we're all grasping for truth, God. We're, we're trying to see through the fog and, and there's so much emotions and one person says one thing and we, we don't know what they mean and then this person says this and, and, and God, we are, there's a lot of confusion, Lord. We need you. God, your word, like you said, you said your word cuts through everything. It cuts through the, the, the bone and the marrow. It, 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 it separates between the soul and the spirit. God, we need that type of precision in our thoughts right now. In our families where there is tension because of, of things that are going on, God, I pray that you would help us to bring reconciliation in those families, in our own families. God, in our church, that there would be understanding, long-suffering, that we would be led by your spirit, that our lives would produce good fruit. Come on, in your own words, in your own life, just begin to, whatever God's dealing with you about, just respond right now. Just respond and say, Lord, help me right, right there. God, that's, I need help in that. God, I responded like this. This was wrong. Lord, my thinking, I, I don't, what's influencing my thinking? God, would you search us? We need you, Lord. God, we pray for our nation. God, we pray for those who have endured a lot of pain, a lot of misunderstanding, we pray for them, that you would raise them up, that you would bless them, that you would heal every person. God, for those who are living right now in, in confusion, we pray for them that you would bring clarity to their thoughts. God, well, we just pray godly wisdom to the way that we act and we think. God, that those who are, are they feel like they can do nothing right, that you would help them. God, we pray for our politicians, our leaders, our president. God, give them wisdom, godly wisdom. Lord, there's, there's so many things going on that we don't really know about. God, there's so many decades of corruption and, and, and power struggles. And, and God, we just, we, we don't even know. But God, we are praying for them because they are our leaders. We are praying that you give them godly wisdom that you would heal the brokenness in our nation, Jesus, from the top down all around. Father, we need you. And God, ultimately we pray that our nation would come to know you. God, that the gospel will begin to get platformed, that the church would rise up and have an answer, and that answer is Jesus always has, always will be the answer. Lord, help us to carry the torch of the gospel with love and grace and confidence. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Going a little bit long today. A lot of material to cover. But I want to wrap up the service today. I just want us to sing, you know, this, this song we, we sang from graves to garden. Come on, that, that Jesus is the only one who can restore. Do y'all believe that, church? Do y'all believe that? Come on. He's the only one that can restore. He turns with the things that seem completely pointless and broken and, and irreparable, and he restores them, and that's our prayer. So we're going to sing this together. Amen? Come on.
things that are broken, he makes broken things whole and complete. God is so good. He's so faithful. I'm so thankful for this message that we have today. It's in Christ that we have hope. And I'm so thankful that I know so many of you prayed that prayer today. You put your hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And if that was you, if you prayed that prayer uh, while Pastor Jordan led you in that, I just want to let you know that you just experienced the most important thing that you could possibly experience in your life. You just entered into eternal security. You just became safe in the loving arms of the Father. And not only that, you just also became part of the family of God, which is super exciting to me. Yeah. So so what I want to do is I want to invite you, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room right now, I want to invite you to take your next step with the family of God, with his church. And the way that you'll do that is by going to Northwood dot church slash next steps and there you can fill out a next steps form and what we're going to do nothing crazy i know i know you might be thinking maybe we'll come to your house and maybe bring a tray of cookies and want to talk to you at your kitchen counter that's i know some of you might like that actually but most of you wouldn't and so we're not going to what we're going to do is we're going to have somebody reach out to you this week and they're going to let you know what your opportunities are to get further connected with this with what god is doing here at northwood church you need this you need the presence presence of God. You need other believers to do life with. You need these environments. This is important. So let us help you get connected to what God's doing in Northwood Church. One other way that you can get connected, whether you just prayed that prayer or not, maybe you've uh, never served on a team here at Northwood Church or you've never been in a small group, we'd love to give you an opportunity to connect with this. This is a great next step. We have something called our Next Step Class. Again, you can go to northwood.church slash class. There's an extra word on there. And uh, what you'll have there is three really simple videos that you can watch that will tell you a little bit more about who we are as a church, uh, why it is that we exist, uh, how you can be a part. And so we think it's a really great opportunity for you to get connected to, to some more chances to grow here in your faith, in your walk with God. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk to you about. Uh, one I wanted to mention, Pastor Jordan uh, reminded us earlier about all the things that Northwood Church is doing in our communities, all of the ways that your giving is uh, really making an impact locally, nationally, and internationally. And, and we do want to just continue to remind you to be faithful in that giving. There's two ways. Uh, you can mail your checks, money orders to one 4281 O'Neill Road here at Gulfport. Uh, you can also give online. This is the simplest way. It's northwood.church slash giving. And so uh, that's how I give. I know a lot of people that give that way. You can set up one-time giving or reoccurring. It's super simple. Uh, two other things, and then we're going to let you go. Uh, the next thing is this Wednesday night is Prayer and Worship Wednesday. You guys excited about that? Yes. I am so excited about prayer and worship. There's never been a time in my life that I feel as burdened and compelled to pray, not only for the body of Christ, but also for this nation, for our cities. And so please join us, whether you're online or you're here at one of our uh, locations, three of our four locations, Long Beach, Wiggins, and Gulfport will be hosting prayer and worship services in person. And so join us in one of those venues so that you can agree with us to see God move in a mighty way here at Northwood Church and in our community. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention to you was that uh, I need a little help. Anybody ready to give me a little help? Throw your hand up if you're ready to give me a little help. All right, so what I need is a couple strong, able-bodied people. Okay, this is not for you online, so you're, you're getting off easy on this one, but for you, if you're in this room, uh, I need a couple strong, able-bodied people to meet Pastor Van over here in the West Hall. We've got a couple things that need to be moved. 20, 20. Did I say a couple? I, I need 20, 20 people. Forgive me. I need some, offer you some clarity. I need 25 people. Can I get 30 people? No, I need, I need 20 
able-bodied people that can help us move some heavy furniture. We appreciate you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great afternoon.